0: This is California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Sotirius Johnson. In today's episode, we're heading to Yolo County, a hidden gem located between Sacramento and the Napa Valley. It's a picturesque California destination known for its stunning agricultural landscapes, charming small towns, and vibrant local culture. First, we'll meet Rafael Galeano, co-owner of Park Winters, a quaint Instagram-friendly inn.
1: Our motto at Park Winters is simple country luxury. What we consider luxury is giving people privacy, very comfortable beds, great linens, robes, stay out of people's way. And I say that it's worth coming to Park Winters just to have the breakfast because it's so incredible. Then we'll talk to Georgiane Brennan,
0: one of the creative forces behind the aperitif tasting room, La Perro La Trois.
2: People tell us that, oh, wow, I feel like I'm in France. The experience that people have when they come in feels like it's not a cookie cutter winery tasting room.
0: And finally, we'll chat with Amina Harris, Queen Bee of The Hive, a local hotspot for honey and mead. That's all coming up on California Now. My next guest is Rafael Galeano. He's the co-owner of Park Winters, a unique venue located in Winters alongside co-owner john martin Raphael oversees the operation of this rustic yet elegant haven which is popular for weddings and events park winters is also home to the inn at park winters a lovingly restored 1865 victorian farmhouse that provides a romantic boutique bed and breakfast experience so Raphael, this is really exciting because we've actually met i've actually been to park winters a few times and it is really such a lovely lovely place
1: thank you i was so excited to hear your name
0: And, uh, you know, I feel like Yellow County is really like a a truly hidden gem. And uh, I think you started out in Miami. You ended up in winters. That's uh, that's quite a change. What inspired you to move there?
1: Well, so originally I was born in Cuba and then I grew up in Miami. And um, I took a trip in the 90s uh, with a bunch of friends and we landed in California. And when I landed in California, in San Francisco specifically, I put my hand in my heart and I felt like that was home for me. And it took me a few years later to move here, and um, we've loved it ever since. And
0: how have you found life in Yellow County? I mean, do you consider it a a welcoming place?
1: Absolutely. Um, We always say that out of all the places we've lived that we feel most at home here in Yellow County. And aside from the geographic beauty, it's the community of people around us that have made it special I describe Yolo County as a breath of fresh air. Literally and figuratively, I guess. <laughs> it it really is. What you won't see here is a lot of cars.
0: Right, 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 right. And so, I mean, as far as it being welcoming, um, like what what is it about the community that kind of makes you feel like you're that this is your home and that, you know, that it's a welcoming place.
1: Okay. So, Yolo County has quite a few celebrations, everything from the end of the year um harvest uh like a big hose down festival to our um fair it has a the opening night of the of the um yolo county fair has a gala and that's where you realize the vast amount of products that are award-winning that come right out, out of yolo county and you know wherever there's food and there's celebration there's happy people and that's what this county's about
0: That's really cool. And so, you know, let's get into Park Winters itself. I've been there, and it's really lovely. Um, But for our listeners who haven't been, how would you describe it?
1: I would describe Park Winters as a place of imagination, a place in nature where people could dream and get away from their day-to-day and um, have some great food and refresh the soul.
0: And I mean, the the whole experience is there's so many ways to experience Park Winters. I mean, you've got... uh, You know, you've got the bed and breakfast experience. You've got real special meals. You've got garden tours. There's, uh, you've got a really cool pool. So it's the kind of place where you can kind of get away, whether it's like for a meal or for an afternoon or for a weekend, even, right?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, for me, some of my best memories were when I was a kid and I would go to summer camp. And some of my best friends were people that I met in the crafts, arts and crafts classes or doing creative things together and so we essentially have a place like that for adults and we have so many people that have high pressure jobs or people who operate on people's brains if you will and they come here on the weekends to counterbalance that stress because they're weaving dried exotic flowers and listening to classical music while sipping some tea and um we make it very accessible and while we are a flower farm every part of it is walkable and so you you have the simple country luxury aspect to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's go through. I mean, you know, Park Winters primarily. I think of it as as a venue for beautiful weddings and events in the country. But there is a lot more to it. So let's go through some of the different ways people can experience it. Let's kind of dig into it a little bit. So let's um let's talk about the the inn, the B and B. I mean, what what is that? What will how will pe- people experience uh, the inn at Park Winters?
1: Okay, so uh, we've been here for twelve years, open to the public. And the bed and breakfast was opened from the beginning. And we have four luxury rooms. Our our motto at Park Winters is simple country luxury. What we consider luxury is giving people privacy, very comfortable beds, great linens, robes, stay out of people's way. And I say that it's worth coming to Park Winters just to have the breakfast because it's so incredible. Mm.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm yeah i actually um i remember one of the, one of the uh, things i i went to at park winters was your easter brunch which was just over the top and amazing and so delicious
1: yeah it really is fun to create this platform for families because i also you know grew up with very creative mother and grandmother who gave me the joy of having the different seasons like easter like the holidays and you know fourth of july and you know we're we're we want to celebrate all the americana Um, holidays and give people that sense of joy that they grew up with and by having this platform we have all the accoutrements and all the decor and everything to sort of give people that vibe and you pair that with food and and nature and it just makes for an amazing day
0: Hmm. And the inn is an historic property, right? That's one of the most historic
1: uh, structures on the property. Is that right? What,
0: what was Park Winters before it was Park Winters?
1: So Park Winters was built in 1865 by George Washington Scott and his wife, Amaretta. And they were originally, they originally had 22,000 acres and it was a livestock and grain uh, farm. They were one of the first um, settlers that moved out here from New York. And um, they built this house for entertaining. And um, right now, Park Winters has been reduced to 10 acres, which is the perfect size for what we do.
0: So, so that's the, the B&B. And um, in addition to the B&B, you also have these garden tours. Uh, talk about the, the grounds. I mean, you've got so many things growing. It's almost like an arboretum uh, that you have on the property. Uh, you do these garden tours as well. So what's that experience
1: like? Well, the garden tour is one of my favorite things to do because I live for showing the gardens. I've been gardening since I'm five years old, and it's my garden that has saved my life and that's held me together when I've hit a couple bumps in the road personally. And um, it's really fun and a joy to show people the gardens because... Um, in some cases, you know, I'll see some gentlemen who arrive with their hearts closed and they look like they were dragged there by their partners or wives. And, (laughs) and then, you know, like I'll start sharing the, the essential oils on the herbs and everything right as after I introduced myself and so, those essential oils that people smell throughout the tour, bring people to a state of like calmness, like, you know, those Mm. little bottles that you buy and they say bliss or wake up or sleep.
0: Right, right.
1: Well, we have all the plants and so by the time they smell one or two these guys are they all everybody's on the same page and everyone's heart Mm. is open and ready to see the gardens and then sometimes they want to tell me more than i want to know and i say you know i didn't really want to know you that much (laughs) 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 but it's really a joy to to share happiness um through good old basic living and that's what we do here because um everyone can garden everyone can grow food, everyone can bake a pie and sleep well. And that really, to me, is just the the only and basic things of life that bring happiness. Oh, that's really cool.
0: And then you also have a lot of flowers. And I thought I saw something about uh, where you can kind of go flower picking as well, I guess, during certain times and under supervision, maybe. I don't know. How does that work?
1: Yeah, we have a um, in our farm, we have one, one square acre that's just dedicated to pick your own bouquet experience. And Everything that's on the grounds is in that square. And so no one has to sneak around and do it. They can just do it freely and have the experience and take them home. And we put them in water for them. So, I mean, you also have a a
0: brunch series. Talk about that a little bit. Um, Are you doing brunches every weekend or just on certain uh, dates?
1: Yes. So this has been a long time coming. And so what we call our farm stand is an 80 by 50 foot building open air where we now provide farm brunch and we are open every Friday, Saturday and Sunday from nine to 3 PM. And so we, we, we recommend reservations, but walk-ins are welcome and we try uh, try to accommodate everyone. And if we don't have seating, we have what are now called farm boxes where people can order the same stuff from the menu and just sit a few feet from the actual dining room Mm -hmm. in our sunset lounge, which is really nice as well. And they have access to the same food and cocktails. Um, it's worth coming to our brunch just for our uh, bloody mary. It's made uh, with our in-house tomatoes, and uh, it has a piece of candied bacon in it. It's really Ooh, delicious. Nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, uh, and and in addition to like the the tomatoes that you use for the bloody mary, what what else do you serve there? Are you are you basically using all local produce? I mean, what's on the menu?
1: Yeah. So I was really excited to start off with the sandwich that we named this, the, uh, Panini, we named it, the, uh, Cape Cubano Cape que, Valley is just minutes from us and I'm Cuban. So we named it the Cape Cubano it, it's, it's delicious. And if someone doesn't eat meat, they can have it meatless. Um, we have a delicious omelet um, also our crispy pork belly eggs Benedict, mm. we have a salad. The French fries are sensational, and uh, we have a chicken katsu and a bibimbap, and we we rotate it throughout the season. So, and the desserts are either like a s'mores cookie, or um, some other type of creative cookies that we're making.
0: Mm. I have to say, like one of the things that definitely remained with me after coming to Park Winters was that the food, of course, was really amazing, but the service as well was like it was. It's the kind of service that is present and always there when you need something, but is not overbearing in any way, kind of very uh, relaxed, but also just very attentive, which was just just kind of puts you at ease, and it just makes it for
1: such an amazing experience. Well, thank you for saying that. We work closely with our staff, and I have to say that I love 100% of the people that I work with, from the people who cut the grass to the people that are growing the food and the flowers to the chefs. Uh, it all gets folded into the kitchen. And um, we just feel that everyone who walks into Park Winners in our dining room, um, that it's a it's a opportunity for us to touch them and help them, you know, be inspired and have great service, but not be overbearing and in their way too much.
0: Well, you've really you and John have really created um, such a, a a wonderful escape. And again, not very far from you know, civilization not far from San Francisco or Sacramento. It's like kind of, you know, a, a short drive away. And yet you feel like you're a
1: world away. So it's it's really quite amazing what you've done. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel like it's just such a joy to do it. I feel like I was picked in this lifetime to do this work. And if I don't do this work, then I'm going to get struck by lightning and there'll be no, pur- <laughs> be no purpose for me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Rafael, you know, you've made it clear that you love Yolo County. So let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite things to do here. What do you what do you love to do when you're not kind of, you know, tending to your, uh, you know, responsibilities at Park Winters?
1: Okay. So one of the most beautiful assets that we have here in Yolo County is that we have Lake Berryessa that is right behind all the mountains. And you can access it right through the heart of Winters. It's, mm-hmm. this, it's this lake. It's the size of an ocean. You can rent. You can you can rent pontoon boats and um, just sort of have a relaxing day on the on the lake with your family. We have awesome hiking trails. I like to just drive around the countryside and see things because every minute the, the clouds are changing, the scenery is changing, etc. You have historic woodland, which is over the top phenomenal. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Woodland used to be um, one of the oldest cities and one of the um, most affluent cities in California in the early um, 1900s. And so all those all those homes are still there. The community is still there. All of these like old Victorian mansions, I guess all
0: all of the ag money was coming in. And so they were building these big mansions and they're still
1: around. Yeah, and it's really beautiful, and downtown Woodland has a beautiful main street on both sides for several blocks, it's very Americana and there's great shopping and thrifting. So that's a great asset. And then you have UC Davis and the town of Davis, which I think is utopian because um, it's just a beautiful community and it's modeled just to have um, access to bicycles almost everywhere. It really is awesome. And then you have the town of Winters, which is just 10 minutes from us, which is very charming.
0: All right. So let's talk about food. Uh, We love to talk about food on the show. So where would you send a listener looking for a
1: great meal? Well, there's a great uh, restaurant in Davis that I love called The Mustard Seed. Mm -hmm. Uh, We like to go there for celebrations. And there's this beautiful um, restaurant on Main Street in Woodland called House of Shaw. It's Afghan food and the food is sensational when you're looking for that type of uh, food and and spice. House of Shaw, I have to say, I was really excited when
0: they opened up a few years ago on Main Street in Woodland because, you know, Afghan food is, uh, you know, it's 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 kind of uh, rare in these parts. So it was really great to have that uh, have access to that cuisine. What do you what do you like at House of Shaw?
1: Well, so like about once. A month, me and the ladies I work with, uh, we get this craving. We get a craving for House of Shaw. And when I immediately think of them, I think of the Chopley, which is almost like this very thin hamburger uh, pounded, kind of thinly pounded and, and pan fried um, hamburger with lots of spices. And then also they have a chicken kebab and they have an appetizer that is the, these little beef uh, dumplings.
0: Yeah, I've had many meals there, and it's, it's a really great place. Yeah, and the, the family who runs it, they're really wonderful people, too.
1: Yeah, it's so cool that you can uh, re- relate to what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and You know, Yolo
0: County is, is known for its stunning natural beauty. Um, do you have any favorite outdoor spots or hidden gems that you think visitors would really
1: enjoy exploring? If you come here in the summer, um, drive around um, and see all the fields of sunflowers. We have a... Uh, we're known for our sunflowers, we have 1000s of fields of sunflowers. And then also, um, I get mesmerized by the wheat, the wheat fields, and then watching the wind running across the top of the wheat field, it's almost like you can see an ocean wave, but Hmm. it's wind, and uh, that's mesmerizing. And then uh, in the mid spring, early spring, we have 1000s of um, walnuts, what we have is we have thousands of orchards of um, almonds, and it looks like it's snowing here in Yolo County.
0: Right. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. The almond orchards where they have this like acres and acres and acres line, lined up trees that are blossoming, these pink and white blossoms. It is, I almost had to pull over and just look at it because it's so uh,
1: overwhelming, the beauty. It really is. And then you pair it with perfect weather And the backdrop of these mountains west of us, it just is uh, sensational and very inspiring. Absolutely. What about wine experiences?
0: Where do you like to go in
1: Yellow County to kind of maybe do some wine tasting? So we have some great wineries. We have Berryessa Gap wine, uh, which is award-winning and fabulous. I love Turkovich wine, and I love Mm -hmm. the makers of both Turkovich and Berryessa. And then we also have a great winery called Matchbook Winery, that has sensational views you can go there and just look directly west at the mountains at unobstructed views and watch the sunset um so those are my three favorites
0: yeah yeah those are great we actually had chris turkovich on on the show and uh that was a really great conversation and i've been to turkovich as well of course and um yeah it's pretty amazing that uh that uh you know you've got uh, such great wineries right in the area. Rafael, this has been so cool. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been really great to talk to you again.
1: Thank you very much. It was great speaking with you.
0: Rafael Galeano is the co-owner of Park Winters. You can stay there and have a flower picking experience of your own the next time you're in Yolo County. Be sure to visit their website at parkwinters.com. This is California Now. My next guest is a co founder of La Perot L'Etoile, an aperitif company and tasting salon located in downtown Winters. Georgeanne Brennan, a Southern California native, is also a James Beard Award winning author who's written for the New York Times, Food and Wine, Vogue, and many others. Georgian, welcome to California Now.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Sure. So I know your tasting salon is on Main Street in Winters, not too far from where I live here in Yolo County, but your interest in aperitifs started in Provence, correct?
2: Yes, it did. I, uh, I have a, a home there that I've had for many, many years. I used to raise goats and make goat's milk cheese there. And um, my neighbors would have us over for an aperitif or they'd offer an aperitif before dinner. And most often it was something that they had made themselves kind of a farmhouse style aperitif made with the local wine, whatever fruit was in season, a little dash of eau de vie to fortify it. And um, that was that was what we had. And then they taught me how to make them. So I have been making these uh, home style aperitifs for many years.
0: And you decided to bring back some of that tradition to California. That is so great.
2: Well, it's interesting because you know, as we know in in Yolo County, we really have a very, you know, Mediterranean climate that is very much like Provence, the interior of Provence anyway. Right. And we have, you know, the same kind of fruit trees, the same nut trees, the same abundance of fruits and vegetables, and of course the wines. So really, why not?
0: Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. And before we get into really digging deep into the aperitif part, of your career and your, you know, your creative uh, spirit. I wanted to, to talk a little bit about your culinary background. I mentioned in the intro you have a James Beard Award. What is your your culinary background?
2: I grew up um, uh, loving to cook. My mother loved to cook. I love to eat. Um, I've always explored food. And then, as I said, I went to France at twenty and thought, "Oh, this is wonderful! All this great food, everything," and just started cooking. And then the more when I went back and then my neighbors taught me so many things about cooking with the seasons. And I read I read books. We went out. We gathered wild mushrooms. We gathered wild asparagus. um, And really, it's very experiential. I've never had any formal training other Mm. than, you know, a class here and there.
0: Right, right, right. And when did you decide to turn? You know your passion for aperitifs into a business
2: uh that was in during the pandemic so that was in 2021 when um, i called up my friend nicole selengo who's a winemaker at Baressa gap and we've talked had talked off and on about wanting to do you know something with wine and some botanicals i called her up and i said nicole let's stop talking about doing this. And let's actually do it. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So we got, um, she came over, she brought some wine, she brought some eau de vie. I gathered some uh, lemons and oranges and we got out some Mason jars and made some various batches. And, um, Oh, these are, these are really good. Nicole has a wonderful palate. Mm -hmm. And so then we, we made up a batch of batches of six different ones and we had a label designed and we took it to Corinne Martinez, who's the one of the owners of Berryessa Gap vineyards and had her try them. And our original business idea was simply we'd make, I don't know, five or six cases of each one and maybe sell them through Berryessa Gap winery tasting room. And Corinne, loved the taste the flavors you could see her eyes light up and we said well what do you think and she looked at us and she said we can't sell these in the tasting room <laughs> well imagine how deflated we were
0: right 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 that's not and what you want to hear
2: she, no not at all and she said these are so good they need their own tasting room wow Oh, uh, wow is right <laughs> and so i had neither nicole nor i had any intention of having a downtown tasting room on Main Street in Winters, just up the street from the Buckhorn. And um, but that's eventually what happened. I said, okay, well, let's do it. And here we are a year and a half later.
0: That, that's so great. You know, it's probably worth shifting gears for a moment. Uh, for the uninitiated, what exactly is an aperitif?
2: The aperitif is a very uh, common uh, drink and experience in, in Europe and in Italy and France, especially Germany as well, uh, where you take a drink before a meal, before lunch or before dinner. The word aperitif comes from the Latin, apere, to open. The purpose is to, to open the appetite. And not overwhelm it with a lot of alcohol, but, you know, a light, slightly alcoholic drink to open the appetite and prepare you for the meal to come. But also as a pause, a transition between work and daily life to the table. And it's its own unique moment. So if you invite somebody and say, oh, why don't you come over for an aperitif? It means to come over for maybe an hour, have a drink or two, a few snacks, and then that's over. It's not an invitation that might turn into dinner or usually turn into dinner as our typical cocktail hour does, um, or can. So it's really that moment in time, either that standalone moment, or as the, the prelude to a meal.
0: Right. It's almost like a beverage appetizer or instead of meeting for coffee, you can meet for an aperitif kind of thing.
2: Exactly. That's exactly it. But I love that phrasing, the uh, appetizer beverage.
0: You know, when I think of aperitifs, uh, brands like Aperol and Campari come to mind.
2: Yes. I think those are the, the best known. The Italians have, well, they're delicious drinks and they've the marketing around those particularly in the last i don't know few years have been astounding uh, but there are others for the martini which i mentioned a sweet or a driver move just on its own uh, over ice there's the Lilles, uh which are based on bordeaux wines a lillet blanc a lillet rouge and now recently a lillet rosé uh, dubonnet is another one they're basically You know, they're wine based. They are lower in, way lower in alcohol than um, spirit based drinks. And they usually include, and they do include the botanicals, maybe some fruits, some nuts. Some have, you know, 20, 30 different ingredients. I think Campari, of course, the ingredients are all secret. I think Campari has over 20 different ingredients. Mm-hmm. We wanted to keep ours really straightforward. As I said earlier in the French farmhouse style, so that you've, you're having this glass of, of rosemary, orange, uh, rose, rose that's been infused with rosemary and orange. And those mm-hmm. are your ingredients. And that's, that's what you taste. It's not, well, oh, this is really good. I wonder what it is. You know what it is.
0: So Georgianne, what kind of aperitifs do you offer at La Perro de Trois?
2: Well, we have a rosemary orange, we have homestead quince, mission fig, Blenheim apricot, uh, green walnut, and Meyer lemon.
0: Oh, all things that grow right around uh, winter. So, t- talk to me a little bit about the uh, rosemary orange. Like what? Mm-hmm. What does that taste like?
2: Rosemary orange has a base of varietal gap rosé wine it's infused with the zest of navel oranges and branches of rosemary because we want it to have that little bit of a bitter hint as if we were using traditional bitter oranges rather than our locally grown navels which we celebrate
0: right right and uh so what's the final what is the you know how would you describe it to someone who's never had it before
2: it's like Sipping winter on a warm summer day, mm. that refreshing orange, and just a little hint of rosemary so that it doesn't taste like
0: orange juice. Mm. Oh, that sounds really great. That sounds really... I want one right now. Um, <laughs> do you have any favorite? Like, what's your favorite of your selections?
2: I think you've already mentioned it, which is... Oh, really? <laughs> which is the rosemary orange. Um, but another one that always surprises me is the mission fig.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
2: based on Berryessa Gap Zinfandel. And the secret ingredient are fresh fig leaves, which are incredibly spicy. They, you pick a fig leaf and it's, it just smells like a spice bazaar. And so we use the fresh fig leaves and then dried figs and a little bit of fresh thyme. And it's extraordinary. Uh, Served over ice with a splash of um, Brut Rose. It's magical.
0: Mm. And, you know, like people, a lot of people around the country, when they think of figs, they think of those dried rings of figs, which are just like not very appetizing. When you've had like a fresh fig picked right off the tree, it is unbelievable. Yes.
2: And the interesting thing about the fresh figs, you put them in or cook with them they lose it because they really <laughs> aren't meant to be eaten fresh
0: right but, right right
2: but by using the fresh fig leaves you get the freshness of the fig without it dissolving and that's why we chose the fig leaves
0: oh that is so great that's great so you know if a listener walked into la le trois tomorrow say what would they see
2: what would they see Oh, people tell us, like, oh, wow, I feel like I'm in France. Mm. Um, it's a historic uh, downtown Winters building, and it has these beautiful uh, club gray leather lounge chairs along one wall with round tables. The other wall has uh, uh, black and cream typical uh, bistro chairs, you know, Parisian mm-hmm. bistro chairs, and uh, square tables. And they will hear the player piano music softly in the background. And then you'll find, uh, you know, flowers, candles, depending on the season, and always a fresh, ever-changing statement bouquet that we have to get um, branches and flowers that are at least four feet long to go in the vase. That's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things. I love that giant vase with this huge arrangement in it.
0: it. It sounds like you've really poured yourselves into this. I mean, it's not just a business for you. I mean, it's so personal. You have so many personal touches that are, you know, just integral to the whole, you know, experience.
2: Well, I, I think that's true, but I, I think we've all, you know, all of this was discussed and well, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And, we just, you know, seamlessly, you know, agreed that, oh, that would be good. That would be good. Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, so it's it's really a, a shared vision. And I think the, the experience that people have when they come in feels like it's not a cookie cutter winery tasting room. Somehow, real people put this together.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you like what what that tasting experience is like. Um, is it like is it like a wine tasting where I sample different sips and learn a lot, or is it more like a, a bar where I order drinks and maybe learn about the drinks as I'm enjoying them?
2: Yeah, it's not. I, I guess it's more like a bar. When I try to explain it, I just the, for ease I just say it's like a wine bar, um, where we one of the things we offer is what we call our grand tasting which is a tray with six different small, almost shot glasses that are on the tray. And then there's a paper beneath it, identifying each of the six aperitifs Mm -hmm. and our staff and, you know, encourages people if they're not familiar, you know, to start with that and see what they like and then um, move on to that from there to one of our cocktails, for example, We have a one that we call Orchard Bliss, which incorporates um, the uh, orange aperitif and the apricot aperitif and some uh, sparkling
0: wine. It sounds absolutely like the perfect kind of, you know, afternoon or evening, you know, break to just have some wonderful aperitifs and a nice little appetizer. It just sounds lovely. Well, you know, Georgianne, we love to get uh, recommendations from locals on this show. So would you mind helping us fill up our itineraries? Sure. All right. You know, we've been talking a lot about beverages. So let's turn to food. Where can you get an incredible meal in winters?
2: Well, it all depends upon what you're in the mood for. (laughs) And... um, and kind, and also the experience you're, that you're looking for, uh, preserve, which I mentioned Mm -hmm. has kind is, a the people who own it, the O'Gandos are, they have great style and it's very, very, um, stylish, but in kind of a rustic country slash urban way. And it has kind of dark, it has nice lighting. It's got a beautiful, long curved bar. Um, The food ranges from uh, cream cheese with jalapeno jelly to uh, shrimp and grits, uh, big, thick, juicy pork chops, uh, wonderful uh, salads with whatever's in season and a little crispy prosciutto. Uh, So that's one. And they have an indoor seating, outdoor seating. Uh, Just down the street from us is the famous Buckhorn, which has been a destination for I don't know how many years
0: right. Buckhorn Steakhouse, right?
2: Buckhorn Steakhouse. And of course, it has great uh, steaks and chops. And then they've taken a lot of their meat. They're famous for their tri-tips. And they do things like a a tri-tip salad. So you don't have to go and have the whole, you know, the steak, the potatoes, the cream spinach or, you know, typical steakhouse meal. But they've got some very creative items on the menu. And you can, you know, just pop in for that. And of course it has um, the the decor is various old-timey bar and then heads of assorted animals, stuffed heads, you know, which is, you know, either your style or not, Frankly, right. I, I, I like it. And I have people who want to go, let's go to the Buckhorn. I love it there. It's so old-timey. Mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then
2: right next to it, they've uh, opened a, a bar called the De Vilbis Room and it's got a great a chandelier that is made from um, antlers, and it's a, it's dark and it feels kind of has a little bit of a speakeasy feel. And they have fun things like fresh oysters and really great bar food. And then across the street is the you know down home Americana diner, so to speak, Puda Creek Cafe. Right. Just what you'd expect. Big breakfast, you know, stacks of pancakes and you know, but also some Mexican chilaquiles, great huevos, rancheros, breakfast. And people are lined up there, you know, on the weekend. The people come from all over for breakfast. They bring over senior citizens in buses for breakfast and lunch.
0: Well, I actually had brunch at – I just had brunch at Pouda Creek Cafe a couple of weeks ago, and it was lovely. Sitting outside, it was just really, really wonderful. So it's a great – what about Fiselle? I That's another place I love in winters.
2: Yes, Facel, you know, it's kind of under the radar, and it has the – you know, with the Spanish orientation. And you always get that spicy, uh, garlicky mayonnaise.
0: Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, so it's oh, a lot, yeah. it's like a tapas place basically, right? It's
2: like a tapas place, and, you know, you kind of never – Oh, always good. Their food is always interesting,
0: yeah, I, I know Winters hosts a couple of unique events and festivals. Um, Can you share a few of your favorites with us?
2: Yes, I think that's one of the particularly interesting things about winters. You know, we've talked about the the wineries and the restaurants and coffee and all of those and, which are there all the time. But there's almost something every month that's special. There is an Albarino stroll in August. The whole downtown celebrates um, Albarino Day with special activities. Um, Then uh, Berryessa Gap Vineyards has an annual paella cook-off, which is next month, November, where six, eight, ten chef teams come and each cook up a paella, and then one of them is judged a winner. I've been a judge before and it's really quite fun. Um, and then everybody, you know, could come and you've got a plate of paella and salad and various a wine.
0: Yeah. I mean, all of these events and festivals, I feel like it kind of like just encapsulates the, the vibe of winter It's kind of like gathering around really great food and drink and just having a good time.
2: I think that's a very good summary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Georgianne. It's really been a pleasure having you.
2: Well, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it, too.
0: Georgianne Brennan has written for The New York Times, Food & Wine magazine, InStyle, Vogue, and many others. You can visit La letois and try some of her amazing aperitifs for yourself in downtown winters, or check out her store online at laparoletrois.com. This is California Now. My next guest is Amina Harris, the longtime owner of The Hive, a honey mecca nestled right in the heart of Woodland. The Hive is a family-run business offering a wide variety of honey, nut butters, honey fruit spreads, and other honey-based products. And here to tell us all about it is the queen bee herself. Welcome to California Now, Amina.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. Glad I could buzz on over.
0: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, first of all, I'd love to know about the origin of the hive. How did you get into the honey business? Well,
3: the honey business started in a very, for me, in a very convoluted way. Um, I graduated college during uh, the beginning of the kind of back to nature era era of the 70s and started cooking everything I could with honey and whole wheat products. Um, but the person I eventually married, my husband, had actually gone off to Israel and uh, become a beekeeper there. And when he returned first to our hometown of Buffalo, New York, and eventually California, he decided to start a honey business. It was called Moonshine Trading at the time because moonshine is when you move the bees, you don't move them during the daytime because they're out flying around. And Mm -hmm. so he called it Moonshine Trading and 1979 and sort of the rest is history. It just all sort of started happening from that point on.
0: Wow. So, and and so 40 plus years later, uh, it sounds like it's still really, really a family operation. So, Amina, how many kinds of honey can I find at your shop, The Hive?
3: Well, right now we have about 30, and they come from all over the United States. And then we have two from Mexico also. Um, But we concentrate on the West Coast. We have a whole lot from California alone. I mean, literally, you can go from the top of the state to the south of the state, just tasting right in our tasting room mm-hmm. um if you're, you're a southern california person and you want really really wonderful avocado honey we've got that <laughs> we've got orange blossom as i mentioned before eucalyptus toyon. we've got um a, a vetch that comes out of Cape valley that's really beautiful and then we have a yellow star thistle just a little north of here And of course, a a local wildflower, which kind of has a little bit of everything in it. So there's a lot just from California alone. Um, And that was always the core of where we started was just with California honeys. And then we grew out because different people from different parts of the country want to try everything. And what we find is that Californians also travel and they really want to have a good selection of Fabulous honey.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it sounds like you're you kind of like you know the whole state of California sounds like an amazing place for honey. But are there any particular you know California towns or regions that are particularly good for honey?
3: Well, you know what you find is in the north part of the state. That's where a lot of the queen rearing goes on, um, and it's also where all the yellow star thistle is collected. So around. The little towns of Willows and Glen and that area is where that happens. Orange blossom is actually collected from even from Sacramento all the way down to Bakersfield um, and everything in between. You know, you'll find it from everywhere.
0: Right, right. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the experience of going to the hive. Like, what would I see uh, if I walked in?
3: So if you come to visit us at the Hive, and I hope someday you will, there's a whole lot. It's, it's really a vision that my entire family put together. So here we are. And the reason we decided to build our own property is because we really wanted to have a pollinator garden. So when you arrive to our building, you, you park your car and you're inside the pollinator garden. It huh. surrounds you. And there's, um, there's just all kinds of things that are blooming pretty much year round. Uh, right now, you know, we're at the end of the summer, but we've got a lot of winter blooms coming on. Um, some penstemon is blooming and just all kinds of different things at different times of year. But you smell it in the spring when you arrive, it smells like you're standing in the sage. Hmm. It's just amazing. And then it changes over. We also have fruit trees planted and um, everything is native to California or has been adapted to our drier climate, so we're very low water maintenance, and then we're beginning to plant um, some uh, herbs and vegetables and things that we're starting to use in our own kitchen, because we also now have not just a honey tasting room, which you come into next, so you come up the little pathway from the parking lot, you're going to be surrounded by plants, and hopefully a lot of native bees. We've been host to many different varieties, especially lots of carpenter bees. Um, they love our, uh, our Palo Verde trees. They're just all over them. Hmm. And you come into the tasting room, and the tasting room is um, has a honey bar on the right-hand side, and it has a mead tasting bar on the left-hand side. Hmm. And the honey bar is backed with pieces of um, my husband Ishai's old beekeeping equipment. It's an art installation that my daughter Shoshana put up. Uh, and you can read all of his messages that when he writes down about what he kept on in that particular hive and how the bees were doing and all the information is on the bee boxes up on the wall. But there's also at least 10 honeys and fruit spreads and everything for you to try inside. And, um, and then over in the mead bar, you can get a mead flight. Do you know what mead is?
0: Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about mead because I heard that you also do this mead tasting. So share a little bit about that. Like what can a visitor expect from a mead tasting experience at the hive?
3: (laughs) So mead is the world's oldest alcoholic beverage. It's older than wine or beer, um, and uh, remnants of it have been found in China over 8,000 years ago. So it's it's got a long history. Um, it, most people think of it as something from Harry Potter or from <laughs> the Middle Ages or from a wren Fair, but mead is an amazing alcoholic beverage made from honey. So the plain old, simple, traditional mead is just honey, water, and yeast, and that's all it is. When you get more and more creative, you're going to add fruits or spices or herbs even. Um, And then it gets it starts to change and become more flavorful, especially in the hands of a gifted mead maker. Mm. Um, Honey can be dry. It can be like champagne. It can be sweet. It can be like an after dinner drink. Honey, um, the mead rather can be like an after dinner drink, not just honey. Honey is always sweet. Um, (laughs) But uh, so it covers the entire alcoholic spectrum.
0: Right. So for somebody who's never had mead, like wh- I know it sounds like there's lots of d- different tastes to mead, but what is it like? I mean, do you compare it to a cider or a beer? Is it clear? Is it is it cloudy? Is it uh, you know, wh- what is it like?
3: When you come to the hive, you can get a you can get a, a flight and we put four different meads on the flight and one will be a traditional and then one usually has um, some fruit in it and one usually uh, is sparkling. So you're going through different things. They're usually all clear, but there'll be different color tones depending what's in there. So a very fruity mead, like a a really dark, rich red mead um, is going to be, you know, it's got blackberries or currants or any of that. It's going to be dark and red and beautiful. Um, If it's got uh, orange blossom and it's going to be light in color, unless you've added other fruit to it also. So it varies in color as much as it can vary in flavor. We try to we sit down and we'll do mead tastings with our staff to educate them right. and to select mead. So it's so that, it's different because yeah. it's, people want it to be just like wine, and it is not. <laughs> it's got its own set of profiles.
0: <laughs> right, and in addition to the mead tastings and the honey tastings and everything, you also serve brunch at the Hive as well, right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. We have a we have a brunch menu on Saturdays, and during the week we serve lunch. And um, everything is locally sourced as much as we can. So we, we've got, we're very, very lucky. The Center for Land-Based Learning is literally a mile up the road and they're training farmers to become organic, top quality organic farmers. And we work with a lot of their young starting farmers. We have other um, produce coming from up the Cape Valley. And, you know, this area is really um, farmer central. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. also organic central, so, you know, the whole organic movement really got a very strong start in California here and it's spread out from California and we get to reap the benefit of that so in addition to this tasting room we have a patio where you can sit down and have um, and have your lunch or your brunch and there's all the flowers and garden is out there so there's a lot going on
0: yeah, no, there is a lot going on, and I mean, I mean, so you know, people who come to the hive, they can come for a meal, they can come for a tasting, uh, they can come for a special event, like you were saying. Um, but it also sounds like if 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 you wanted to learn more about honey and other things, it's also kind of like a learning experience too.
3: Hopefully, it will be a learning experience. Amazingly enough, the very first thing of all of our my family's criteria when we picked our goals and our Like what our vision is, our vision is to educate people and it's to educate them not just about honey, but about honey and bees and pollination and the world of mead and to try to help them understand how expansive this can actually be and how exciting it can really be.
0: So, Amina, you know, I wanted to shift gears a little bit. I mean, you're a woodland local, so uh, let's talk about your favorite things to do. Um, Let's say you have a friend in town. Where are you taking them?
3: Well, you mean besides taking them to the hot? Right. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I tend to be a real outdoor person. I love to go walking and hiking, and um, so those are the things I usually try to find out if my friends want to do, and many of them do. Uh, You'll find me on, um, on almost any given day, I'll be walking along Pewter Creek. uh, In the day, UC Davis has um, an extended area that the Arboretum, which is the park of UC Davis, essentially, um, it actually extends out into the country towards winters. And so you can walk up Pewter Creek and uh, see all kinds of birds and river otters and turtles, and it's really terrific. So I love hiking there.
0: How about for somebody who's not much of a hiker, but still wants to be outdoors? Are there any kind of like gardens or parks that you might recommend?
3: Oh yeah. There's some, you know, that's one of the joys. Well, there's a couple, there's one right in Woodland, right next to city hall. So when you get into Woodland, one of the things that's kind of cool in this town is just to walk around. Um, people don't know that Woodland, California, which seems like a little, byway that not too many people would come to Woodland is um, used to be one of the wealthiest cities in California. I believe until the twenties, it had more millionaires or the equivalent thereof in 1920. And there's some amazing old houses. um, And you could just walking around down um, just south of downtown is amazing. You see great Victorians. um, You see some mid century houses, uh, houses, you know, made out of all synthetic materials. I mean, it just, it's really interesting to take a walk in just south of town. Um, but there's this fabulous little garden that was put together by my friend, Linda Hennigan. She's, um, she just had this vision that we needed an edible teaching garden and so this is right next to city hall and students um take tours and they come in and they learn how to garden and they can pick their own vegetables and it's really a sweet little garden you can go into it any day and sit down in their little gazebo and bring your own picnic lunch and enjoy that that's kind of like a cool little spot and then behind right across the street behind the um library. And it's an old Dale Carnegie library that looks like a gorgeous mansion. There's all kinds of things to do if someone doesn't want to go on a long hike. Yeah, yeah. I promise you.
0: Well, Amina, <laughs> this has been really great. Thank you so much for coming on to California Now and sharing everything about the Hive and all of your kind of local pro tips.
3: Well, thank you very much. I hope uh, I hope you can come up to the hive soon and enjoy it. We are just on I-5. It's not too far away.
0: Sounds good. <laughs> Amina Harris is the queen bee at the hive, which you can visit the next time you're in Woodland. In the meantime, be sure to visit their website, zspecialtyfood.com, where you can order a variety of honey and other delicious products. This is California Now. if you're daydreaming about your next adventure or just looking to soak up the California vibe, follow Visit California on Instagram. You'll find stunning images of the Golden State from the majestic Big Sur coastline to the glittering lights of Hollywood. The handle is just what you'd expect, at Visit California. Thank you for listening to California Now. We hope to see you in the Golden State soon. This podcast is brought to you by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. Our producer is Kate Eppelboim. Sarah Dealy is our technical lead. John Godfrey is our editorial director. Our theme song is by Aaron Taos. Additional music by Casey. You can find our show on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts.